What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Monkey Financial Podcast. We're going to be recording episode number 48. This is our first podcast of 2022, so I'm excited to uh, be back in 2022. I promised 52 podcast episodes in 2022. This is one of 52 um, that should get us, if if my math is right, uh, to 99 uh, podcasts by the end of this year. So that means special number 100 uh, should be next year, the first week of January. So I'm excited for that as well. Um, but today, we're going to keep it simple. First podcast of the year. We're going to go back to basics. And I want to spend this podcast episode talking about emergency funds. That's right. Emergency funds. Um, usually you hear me talk about investing and believe it or not, I love investing, <laughs> but uh, just as important as investing is, I think having a proper understanding of your personal finance and understanding how to manage your money, not just in a form of investment, but how to manage debt, how to manage uh, cash reserves, and really how to kind of uh, make your money go really, really far or stretch your dollars as far as you can um, to be able to increase your savings rate. But today, again, emergency funds. And the reason I bring this up is because something to me happened that I kind of strayed away from the basics. Um, for a long time, I had a cash reserve of basically two years worth of living expenses in a uh, credit union CD that was paying 3.2%. And that I locked in in 2018 and was really getting 3.2% 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021, which is really good, right? By by today's standards, if you um, were, for example, in a bond fund that entire time, you probably would have had a yield somewhere around one and a half. So it, three time, almost three times or two and a half times better than being in a bond fund. But what happened is I had a sort of, well, let me take you back to June. So in June of this of last year now, I should say, because we're in 2022, it's so weird to say. Um, in June of last year, I sold one of my properties and um, made about 80, what was the total? 83, 84,000 after closing costs, after everything, right? That's what I took home. And I had this money kind of earmark for a down payment for my next property. I just didn't know when that was coming. At the time I sold my property in June, the market was really white hot. And every property I looked at literally before I can even run numbers, uh, my agent would tell me, hey, um, these guys have multiple offers. So we either put in our best offer or you know, we're not going to get it. And most of the times I would blowball the crap out of them because, I mean, I don't want to overpay. But two, you know, I really didn't have time to properly uh, kind of see what the fair market value would be. So I would just, you know, quickly figure out fair market value in my head and go 20 grand under, knowing damn well that I'm going to lose these properties. So a few months went by and I don't know, we must have seen 20, 30 properties, probably put in five to 10 offers and lost them all. Some of them were lost because of a bidding war that I wasn't willing to get into. And then others, like I said, I was just lowballing the crap out of them. And I started thinking, you know, this money is sitting idle. 
and I don't like money that sits in idle uh, because it's especially, you know, this was kind of the talk of transitory inflation uh, this summer and all that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and put it in the S&P uh, and uh, let it ride. And that's exactly what I did. I transferred the money over to Fidelity, put it in the market, knowing that, you know, I would take it back out um, for, for a down payment or portion of it. Not all of it. Some of it I was going to keep in the market for, for, for the long run. And long story short, time came when I finally found a property in December and I didn't want to pull out the money out of the stock market. And I said to myself, all right, you know, this money's grown. I don't know. I forgot the math now of how much it's grown versus you. I think it was almost 1500 bucks that it grew. And I said, okay, you know, you'll have some short-term taxes you'll pay on that bit. That's not a big deal on $1,500, but the idea is this money's growing. Why don't, why don't you just leave it alone? And on the other end, you have a 3.2% fixed income type emergency fund in your um, credit union account. I got the bright idea. Why don't I use that as a down payment? Because the money in there, plus some additional cash reserves that I had in like a regular uh, savings account, Covered the fifty five sixty thousand I needed for my down payment. I think I had sixty three thousand in cash, and sixty thousand is uh, what the property cost as far as down payment, closing costs to the bank, lender fees, all that stuff. So I took a big risk, and I took the sixty and I put it towards the property, and I was left with three thousand in cash. And then I ran into a couple of problems right off the bat. Um, for those of you guys that don't know, we, me and my wife, so I I run my own, I have a business that I run and then I have the YouTube channel. Obviously I have this podcast um, and that's generally our sources of income plus my wife's job. Now my wife, we just had our first baby in September. She's been out of work on uh, maternity leave pretty much uh, September, October, November, December. And her pay, her job is primarily commission-based, so her paychecks have been, I don't know, a quarter of what we typically see. And kind of uh, me, I've been lacking, if you will, on the business side. I mean, I'm not sleeping a lot. I cut out uh, taking on new coaching clients, and I'm just kind of... Um, here, I guess. And, you know, YouTube is doing what it's doing, this podcast. But, you know, it's still not generating thousands and thousands of dollars a month like I'm used to uh, with all my income. I'm basically getting a thousand bucks a month right now. And we ran into a little bit of a problem. The thing is, the place that I live now, I was enticed by it because I got to live here for free for a few months, right? It was a good deal. But then, I couldn't find the property that I wanted. So the lease ended up having to to get basically to justify living here for free. I had to sign a one-year lease that said I wouldn't get out. And if I did get out, I would have to pay back the free months that I lived here. And then there was another penalty of like a month and a half worth of rent. So I'm kind of stuck in this lease here until May. Um, and my mortgage payments are going to start in February on the new property. 
And obviously, at closing, the seller of this new property gave me a tax credit uh, for property taxes for 2020 because they were responsible for it. They lived there pretty much all 12 months. Um, but I'll be paying those. So they gave me a credit. Um, the problem is those property taxes are going to come due in March. And I don't have the cash to pay them right now. And I've been debating, should I sell you know, $10,000 worth of, uh, of, of my investment out of my taxable? And that's the scenario I find myself in. This is why it's important to have emergency funds and use emergency funds only for emergencies. <laughs> because I had the, the money for a down payment. If I didn't invest in the stock market, even if it's invested in the stock market, I could just hit the sell button and take it out. But I didn't. Instead, I used my emergency fund. So I think going forward, once all this gets sorted out, and I'm hoping... Uh, there's some kind of a spike in my YouTube revenue or maybe a few new clients signed up with me uh, in the month of January. But other than that, you know, I'm going to have to sell some investments. And, you know, it's important to keep in cash three to six months of expenses. Going forward, I think the two-year that I had in, 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 in expenses and cash is overkill because we, on a normal, uh, I guess in a normal year, uh, where we're both working, we have enough money coming in, enough cash flow, enough income that we don't need three to six months, right? So, I mean, uh, we don't need two years, but three to six months we will need. So, you know, once all this is squared away and my wife goes back to work and uh, my business picks up again, I start taking on clients, um, I'll probably be looking at saving three to six months in cash and I'll probably put in like a short-term uh, T-bill or something, like a three-month T-bill or a one-month T-bill and call it call it good. Um, the other thing I want to help answer is if you have a taxable account like I do, could that be an emergency fund? And I think, I mean, if you're like me who hates a person who hates to sell investments, um, I don't think it can because I will look for any other way out Literally, I'm willing to do anything now just so I don't freaking sell my investment. So probably not a good good idea. Um, but if you want to have your emergency fund in a taxable account again and be in a bond index fund, like a short-term treasuries bond index fund, I think that's fine. Um, or just keep it in cash. Like Fidelity has the F-cash feature, which is just a FDIC swept account. That's fine. Um, but... I don't think you should have your emergency fund in like the S&P 500 uh, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, but the one for me being that you're probably not going to freaking want to sell that thing because it's making you money. So now I find myself in this predicament. I'm low on cash. Um, I might have to sell my investments in my taxable account. Um, the market is at all-time highs, so there is a little bit of opportunity cost there. Let's say the market continues to go up in 2022. I'm going to miss out on some of that, or maybe it crashes, and me selling early helps uh, preserve some of that capital. Um, but I will go back after this is all squared away. I will go back to having emergency funding cash. Um, and, you know, the other thing that could have happened here, um, which would have been the worst case scenario, is if the market from August till now took a nosedive and, you know, my portfolio was down 30, 40%, then 
I really wouldn't want to sell and I think I would be in a lot of trouble. So, you know, I've learned my lesson here. I think I, I was overzealous in, in trying to fund every single dollar into investments. And then um, when the time came, I didn't want to pull those investments out. So uh, I will have a plan uh, going forward. And the first part of my plan is going to be not to maximize returns for my emergency fund. Um, I I don't like cash sitting idle. So I always try to like maximize some part of, 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 of an investment with an emergency fund. And now I've been thinking about the I bonds, the I series bonds, um, because they're paying like through April, they're paying 7% or something like that. So I was thinking if I liquidated some of this, I can get it in that. But then again, there's a penalty if you sell out of that. Uh, if you have it for less than five years, or you lose like three months of interest, kind of like a CD, right? And then that 7% is not really guaranteed, obviously. Um, it's based off of, of a fixed rate part of it. And the other part is based off the consumer price index uh, for the, that kind of measures uh, inflation. So obviously it's gone up because inflation's gone up, but if inflation comes back down, then that interest comes. And it's just don't try to maximize returns from your emergency fund. Just a simple, low-risk, uh, short-term treasury bond index fund um, will do the trick. I know that thing is yielding next to nothing, but who cares? Um, you've set aside three to six months uh, of, of an insurance premium, basically, is what your emergency fund is, so that you don't end up in a situation like this um, where you have to liquidate investments, or even worse, you don't end up in a situation where you have to liquidate investments while the market's down. Um, so I've definitely learned my lesson and I kind of wanted to start off the year by, um, sharing that story with you guys. I don't know how helpful it'll be. I think most of you that follow me, um, have like concrete emergency funds set up and you guys are probably a lot more responsible than me. (laughs) Um, but I know some of us too, you know, we, we really like to maximize, uh, returns and we like to optimize stuff and just, Make sure that everything is running as, as as to peak performance that it can, and you know sometimes you get carried away and do stupid stuff like what I did, um, using my emergency fund as a down payment, and now I'm uh, stuck having to liquidate investments to put back into an emergency fund, and it's like, well, all this could have been avoided if I just did the right thing, you know, from the get go. So. Um, that's going to do it for episode 48. I know it's not our typical 25, 30 minute session. Um, but, uh, I I did want to share that story, like I said, and hopefully, uh, deter some of you from kind of doing the same thing that I'm doing. Um, do as I say, not as I do, right. As that saying goes, because, um, what I did was pretty silly. Um, and it's coming back to bite me. So, Unless, I, like I said, there could be a potential here by the end of the month that there's some kind of cash influx in, through my business. I don't know. Sometimes I get like 10 clients all of a sudden. But the other issue is I don't have the time right now. I'm share another story with you to see how screwed up this is. So we have a newborn at home. He just, he's about to be four months. Time's passing by there. Um, this new place that I bought, I'm kind of fixing it up. 
uh, myself, literally by myself. Um, so right now I'm painting, and thanks to inflation, everything's expensive. So I don't know, painting's going to cost me in supplies about a thousand dollars for a sixteen hundred fifty square foot place. Um, that's going to be how much paint's going to cost. And then I will get new carpeting in the bedrooms. It's hardwood floors everywhere else and tile in the bathroom, but in the bedrooms there's carpet. So the carpet's going to cost me, I estimate around three grand. Um, and then there is a washer and dryer there that's from like 2013, but I want to upgrade just because, um, we're very particular about how we wash our son's clothes without using any chemicals or dyes or anything like that. So we just want to make sure it's a brand new washer dryer. So, uh, that's going to be another two grand, right? So that's five plus the one so that's $6,000, uh, basically that I have to fork up for this renovation. And I don't have an emergency fund. I guess a renovation is not an emergency, but I'll have to end up cash flowing that throughout the next three or four months because I have no other way of of doing it, right? And I know some of you might be thinking, well, put it on a credit card, right? And if you know Monkey Finance, you know that uh, since 2018, I haven't used a credit card. So it's it's a silly problem that I've put myself it's a silly uh it's silly what i've done to myself here is i've backed myself into a corner where i have no uh freaking way out outside of just having to sell some investments to cover these property taxes and to cover uh, a couple of thousand dollars worth of 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 um, remodeling costs you know even though i'm doing the work myself it's still uh, it's still going to cost the material cost. And especially now everything's so freaking expensive that uh, we were just looking at replacing the hardware on the cabinetry and it's like another 350 bucks. And I'm just like, Oh God, do I really want to fork up something, you know, that two years ago for, I could have gotten, you know, 60 pieces of hardware for like 90 bucks. And all of a sudden I was 300, but it is what it is. Um, that's the pickle that I'm in. So, Heed my advice on emergency funds, three to six months of expenses in cash. And it's okay if you want to keep it in your taxable investment account, like I said, in a short-term treasury bond index fund, one month, three month T-bill. Won't be mad at that. Um, Outside of that, I wouldn't recommend putting it in a uh, S&P 500 just because when the time comes for you to use it, you're going to make every excuse in the book not to. But obviously, for other reasons, with you know, with the potential risk of the market being down. So, thank you guys for listening to episode forty-eight. Uh, if you're listening on the Apple Podcast side, I'd appreciate it if you guys could uh, scroll to the bottom as you're listening, and if I deserve it, leave me a, a five-star uh, rating. If I don't, you're free to pick however many stars you want to give me. But uh, every time you guys uh, do that for me. It's really the only way that uh, the uh, algorithm here on the Apple Podcasts will push out my podcasts other than, you know, me giving uh, myself free marketing through YouTube or Instagram or word of mouth. But other than that, uh, that is one way you guys can help out. And if you feel inclined to take it a step further, go ahead and write a review right under the rating section. And what I do with these reviews is I check them every time I record a podcast I check to see if we have new reviews. So I'm just going to scroll to the bottom real quick. And no, our last review was December 16th. So no new reviews. If you want your review, 
read live here on the air on the podcast, make sure you uh, drop that down below. And just to give you a little bit of a preview before I let you go, uh, episode 49 is a, uh, how do I explain it? It's, it's like a financial order of operations episode um, that's going to be going over sort of 10 steps to financial freedom that I've kind of uh, worked out in my head. So I have written these out now. Um, still trying to get, I guess, the the, the verbiage right. Um, but what I'll do is spend probably a good half hour to 45 minutes on episode uh, 49 going over this 10-step plan to financial freedom. And it really is going to have a mixture of investing and personal finance in it. And, you know, the 10 steps that I basically took. Um, and I got this idea because of the book that I'm writing. It's um, it's really, um, I don't want to say it's autobiography, but it's a, it's a sort of a 35,000 foot view of everything that I did from 2018 till now. And at the time that I was doing it, I didn't necessarily understand all the steps uh, from from up above, right? I was like stuck in step one or two and doing it, not knowing what the next steps are being until I researched it. But now that I'm kind of um, in the last step, I guess, which um, is working towards financial freedom and financial independence, I can now go back and look at all these steps and say, okay, this is the order that I took and how I did it. And I'm going to share that with you guys in episode 49 to see if that'll be helpful. And then probably episode 50, we'll get back to investing related stuff. Once the market has a few weeks under its belt, we can kind of get a gauge of how 2022 is going. So that's it. Uh, looks like we were able to push this podcast out to 22 minutes. I uh, got a lot of filler in there. So <laughs> thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. And until next time, remember, move obstacles, keep investing. <laughs>